sermon today is based on one more part of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount from Matthew chapter 5. Jesus says, You have heard that it was said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, turn it on the other cheek also. If someone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If someone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you, and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good, and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. This is God's word. Maybe see it. Friends of Jesus, months after the terrorist attacks on 9-11 in New York City, a firefighter who was going through the, the rubble found something. He found a, a little twisted piece of metal on which was stuck a page from the Bible. In the heat of all that destruction, the steel had, had melted and somehow, one torn page from one Bible had stuck to that metal, glued right on it. You can see a picture of this in your worship folder, underneath our sermon text. A piece of steel from the Twin Towers with a page of the Bible stuck to it. Can you guess what page of the Bible it was? It was Matthew chapter 5. Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And there on that page, stuck to that piece of metal, are the words, you have heard that it was said, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other also. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That was found right there at, at ground zero. These are hard words from Jesus. In fact, I don't like to, to hear Jesus say these things at all. Do you know why? I don't like my enemies. Of course, I haven't had to face something like those terrorist attacks on 9-11. But I've had enemies in my life, and I bet you have too. And I don't love them. In fact, it, it actually seems downright wrong for me to love them. Actually, what I want is, is I want for them to face really bad things in their lives. Sometimes when I, I daydream about my life, I, I imagine those enemies getting all the worst things that I think that they deserve. Do you do that too? Maybe we need to hear what Jesus has to say today. Jesus quotes a, a verse from the Old Testament. He said, you've heard that it was said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth. And that really is, in the Old Testament, actually, at least three different times that shows up in the Bible. Eye for eye, tooth for tooth. And those words can sound really harsh to us today. 
But they were actually a very good practical command from God for his people. God was teaching his people that the punishment needed to fit the crime. God was saying that criminals needed to be punished, but not too little and not too much. So if you clock somebody in the face and you knock out their tooth, you need to be punished. God doesn't want you to get away with it. But if you knock out someone's tooth, God says you shouldn't be executed. If you knock out someone's tooth, what should you have to do to pay for it? Use your tooth. Eye for eye. Tooth for tooth. The punishment needs to fit the crime. On top of that, with that log, I was also teaching that every human life is worth the same. It doesn't matter if you're rich or poor or black or white. Every human life is worth the same in God's eyes. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But Jesus knew that in his day, people were using that verse from the Bible to justify getting revenge. And so Jesus clarified what God really meant. He said, I tell you, do not resist an evil person. Someone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. If someone wants to sue you and take your shirt, give to them your coat as well. If someone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to whoever asks you and do not turn away from anyone who wants to borrow from you. How does that sound? It's pretty radical, isn't it? In our Bible study, we've been learning that we need to use Scripture to interpret Scripture. And from the rest of Scripture, we know Jesus is not telling us to just give in or give up or compromise. Jesus is not telling us not to stand up for what God says in His Word. You know, that's not what Jesus is teaching us. He just wants us to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. But what Jesus is absolutely teaching us is that Christians do not seek revenge. Christians do not fight fire with fire. Christians are willing to suffer for the sake of the gospel. According to Jesus, a Christian would rather be wrong than wrong someone else. A Christian would rather be cheated than cheat someone else. A Christian would rather be hurt than hurt someone else. When you're a Christian, you're on the side of not retaliating. On the side of yielding to other people. On the side of giving generous and Does that describe you? To me, these words sound downright anti-American. Don't they? Maybe some of you at your house, you have one of those flags that says, don't tread on me. That sounds more like it, doesn't it? Don't tread on me, and if you do, you're going to get it. Right? If you come at me, I'm going to destroy you. Does that sound a lot better? Do you keep score with other people? You know what I mean? Keep track of what other people have done for you. There's that phrase, tit for tat. I do. At least my sinful nature does. My sinful nature is concerned about me and about my rights. And if you infringe on my rights, then I'm going to get you. That's not what Jesus was like. I don't think Jesus would fit in very well today. 
When they put that crown of thorns on Jesus' head and pushed it down, do you know what Jesus did? Nothing. When they mocked Jesus as he hung on the cross, Hail, King of the Jews! Do you know what Jesus said? Nothing. When they crucified him, Jesus didn't even complain. There's verses in Isaiah that describe Jesus. It says he was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, you are healed. When you follow Jesus, you don't seek revenge. Instead, you're willing to turn the other cheek. That's hard enough, isn't it? But then Jesus takes it a step further. He says, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. This is really interesting. Because the Old Testament never actually says, hate your enemy. The Old Testament absolutely says, love your neighbor. But you cannot find that phrase, hate your enemy, anywhere in the Old Testament of God's Word. So what Jesus was doing is he was correcting a false teaching that was popular in Jesus' day. And Jesus said it was popular for people to, to, say, to say and to hear, if you're a true believer in God, then you need to hate your enemies. And Jesus said, no. Love your enemies. In fact, love your enemies so much that you pray for them. Pray that God would bless your enemies. And we say, really? And Jesus says, yes. You say, why? It just gives our, our motivation. He says that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his Son to shine on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Have you ever thought about this on a nice sunny day like today? Whom does God let his Son shine on? Everybody. It's not like there's these little dark rain clouds that just follow certain bad people around. Right? That just happens in the cartoons. When the sun shines, God shines the sun on everybody. Because God's blessings are not tied to how good we are. God's blessings are by His grace, right? By His undeserved love. God lets His sun shine on everybody. When it rains, God lets His rain fall on Everybody, when Jesus died on the cross, God had His Son die for everybody. This is how God operates. His blessings to us are not tied to what we've done. They're not tied to how much we deserve it. God showers His grace on all. Do we? I bet you love your friends and your families. I do. If that's the case, do you know what Jesus would say? He'd say, so? Jesus has some pretty sharp words in our lesson. He says, if, if you only love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? If you and I love our friends, the people who love us, that makes us just as good as drug dealers. 
and terrorists and even politicians. Because they love their friends too, right? Is that really the level of our love, the limit? We'll love those people who love us. We'll love the people who deserve our love. Sadly, I think that's often the case, isn't it? For our love. And for those other people, for our enemies, how often don't we pray to God that He would give them what they deserve? How often don't we ask, why doesn't God just punish those people for what they've done? God, get them! What if God were to actually do that? What if God were, were to actually punish sinful people the moment that they sin? What if God were to hate his enemies and to bring his judgment right away on, on sinful people? What if he were to do that? How many people would be left? Or maybe look at it from this perspective. There's people who we consider our enemies. We want God to punish them. How many people out there think those same thoughts about you? How many people out there are, are saying, God, please punish that person for all the wrong that they've done to me? If our prayer to God is, God, get them, we're really condemning ourselves, right? Because God should get us too. But our God has a totally different plan for dealing with evil. Instead of getting them or getting us, God came. Jesus came, and he came specifically to be punished for all of our sins. He died on the cross to face the penalty for everything that we deserve. And while Jesus hung on the cross, do you remember what he said? He prayed for his enemies. The very thing that Jesus commanded us to do. Jesus on the cross, he prayed, Father, forgive them. And they do not know what they are doing. Forgiveness is at the heart of the gospel message. The, the Apostle Paul, when he reflected on God's grace in his life, he wrote, This is a true and a trustworthy saying. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. When you see Jesus die on the cross, that's you, the only way you can understand what Jesus says. Love your enemies. And pray for those who persecute you. Now, this doesn't mean that evil is okay. It doesn't mean that sin is okay. That's not what Jesus is teaching. Jesus came into the world because evil is not okay. Jesus came into our world because sin is not okay. But the answer to evil is not your revenge. And it's not my anger. The answer to evil is Jesus' death on the cross. The answer to evil... It's for people to repent of their sin and to trust in Jesus for forgiveness. If people refuse to do that, God has a, another plan for dealing with evil. Do you know what it is? It's hell. Evil will be dealt with perfectly in hell for every single person on earth. God says there's only two options. Either that person will repent of their sin and be saved by the grace of God, or that person will, will suffer for their sins in hell. That means that God has it all taken care of. God removes from you and me the burden of having to make wrongs right. Jesus made every wrong right when he died on the cross, and if someone rejects that, they will pay for their wrongs in hell, and so you and I don't have to worry about it. God removes from us this burden of making wrongs right. Instead, the 
Bible says to Christians, overcome evil with good. Not with revenge, not with anger, not with insults. Overcome evil with good. Apostle Paul said, don't seek revenge, leave room for God's wrath. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Our God has a habit of overcoming evil with good. I'm going to tell you a story about my parents. It's an interesting story the last time I talked with them on the phone. They just were visiting my older brother at his church in Wisconsin. They went to my brother's church where he's a pastor. And during the church service, my parents' car got robbed. During the church service. Like, not the car didn't get stolen, but somebody went through his car, their car, and stole everything that was inside. Right during the church service. Thankfully, they didn't have a lot inside. My dad had a pair of snow boots. And my mom had a sewing bag, and the sewing bag was her tablet. But other than that, that was, that was all that was missing. They called the police, but what are you going to do, right? There's evil in our world, even in church parking lots. But the next day, as they were driving home to Minnesota, my mom got a call from her hairdresser. I mean, your hairdresser doesn't usually have to call you, right? So my mom's hairdresser in Minnesota called her, and said that she, the hairdresser, had received a random call from a lady in Wisconsin who had found a bag on the side of the road. And in that bag was the hairdresser's business card that had my mom's next appointment on it. <laughs> to make a long story short, this lady brought the bag back to the church. And my mom will pick it up the next time she's back in Wisconsin. God has the power to overcome evil good. The one sad part is that the tablet is missing from the bed. Except a couple days later, my mom got a random email from a different random man who lives in a town 45 miles away from where my brother lives. And that man, when he went out to his mailbox that day, found the tablet at the end of his driveway. And when he opened it up, it had my mom's email address in there. And so he sent her an email and the tablet is on its way back to her in the mail this week. <laughs> this is the way our God works, isn't it? Our God has the power to overcome evil with good. Evil cannot win. Now, it doesn't always work as obviously as it. And my dad is waiting for a phone call about his son. <laughs> so if any of you find a pair of boots at the end of your driveway later today, let me know. I know who they belong to. Doesn't always happen as obviously as that. But this is our confidence in life. Our God has the power to overcome evil with good. And what Jesus tells us today is that Jesus gives that power to us through faith in Him. Here's a very serious example. Have you ever heard of the name Gary Ridgway? Gary Ridgway is known as the Green River Murderer. He is the second worst serial killer in United States history. Gary Ridgway confessed to killing 48 women. And when he was put on trial for it, he confessed that he was guilty for every single one of those murders. Without even flinching on his face, he said guilty, guilty, guilty 48 times. After the verdict was read, the, the, the victim's families had a chance to stand up and say whatever they wanted to. And 
So you can imagine that person after person came up to the, the, the sand and they cursed and they screamed and they yelled at this man, at Gary Ridgway. And as he sat there and heard all of this, he didn't even flinch. That's pure evil. But finally, one of the, the fathers of one of the victims stood up. He was an old man. He looks like Santa Claus. You can picture this. A big white beard. He stood up and he talked very, very slowly. But he said, Mr. Ridgway, there are a lot of people here today who hate you. I am not one of them. You have made it very difficult to do what I believe. And that is to do what God says. And that's to forgive. You are forgiven, sir. When the man said those words, this serial killer who had not shown any emotion, he suddenly broke down and he wept uncontrollably right there in the cross. There's power in Jesus' forgiveness. If you go to the 9-11 Museum in New York City today, you can see this twisted piece of metal with this one page from the Bible on it that says, love your, your enemies. You might think to yourself, is that even possible? And the answer is, yes. Chief of sinners, though I be, Jesus said, shed his blood for me. Jesus gives us the power to forgive. He gives us the power to say those words, I forgive you. You practice saying that with me? I forgive you. We finish up this series on the Sermon on the Mount. I think this is one of the things Jesus wants us to remember. He wants us to remember that the power of his grace it impacts our hearts so much that it's able to do this. It's able to lead us to love our enemies and to overcome evil with good. Amen. Let's say a prayer. You know, Jesus, it's been a blessing for us to, to hear your words from the Sermon on the Mount over these past four weeks. Today your words are, are so difficult, especially for our simple natures to hear. You tell us to love and to pray for even our enemies, even those who hurt us. Dear Lord, we have to confess that that hasn't been our attitude. It's not what we do. And yet that's what you did for us. We're thankful that as you died on the cross, you prayed even for the people crucified. Forgiveness is at your heart, the heart of your message to us. Dear Jesus, as we grow in our understanding of your grace and your forgiveness to us, please give us the power to forgive the power to forgive even our enemies. In your name we pray. Amen.